Are you ready for the word? I believe it. Hey, turn on your Bible. And I'm going to come to you from Mark chapter 14. Turn on your Bible. I know what generation we live in for crying out loud. Or turn it on. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. My Bible says it's the word of God that's living and active, not what it shows up on or what it's written on. I want you to meet me in Mark chapter 14. Uh, I want to give you some background because we're going to really start on a blank canvas this morning. Jesus is surrounded by some familiar faces at a dinner table. And I want to go out around the room so you kind of know the context of where the revelation is coming from this morning. To possibly Jesus is right is the owner of this home. This man is called Simon the leper. Now the reason why he's called Simon the leper is because at one point he had leprosy, which is a decaying bacteria on your body, that he one day got completely healed by Jesus. And that was a miracle. That was unexplainable. It was impossible. And so he has become somewhat of a local celebrity as ligaments and bone and tissue have grown back when they shouldn't have. And he has been fully examined by the priesthood and reinstituted as an Israeli citizen in the nation at this time under the ministry of Jesus. I mean, this guy is what people are looking to as a reference point. Going around the table, you're going to see the 12. you got everybody from Peter and John. You've got everyone from Matthew. you got all of them there, everybody you've seen on The Chosen, all right? And they come over, and then on the left side, just helping out some of the church folk, and then on the left side, you have Lazarus. This is the Lazarus that was raised from the dead several chapters before. This is the one whose sister sent messengers to say, Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. And Jesus is like, cool, and waits two more days. Are you seeing this? Waits, not responds immediately. Why? Because Jesus is an American, all right? He waits because he knows the timing of God is so important. It is flawless. It is perfect. It is accurate in everything that it does. How many of you know that when you get there before God does, that doesn't make you early. That makes you wrong. Are you following me? So Jesus shows up, has tears coming down his eyes. The shortest verse in the Bible is found in this encounter. And Jesus wept, right? And then she says, Mary says, if only you had been here sooner. She's talking out of natural circumstances, not spiritual perspective. I needed you here before because no one's been raised from the dead and we needed to save his life. And Jesus is weeping, not because uh, of any type of persecution or doubt coming from her. He's weeping at the lack of faith that he cannot find. In Israel, that is what he's weeping about. And then he says, Lazarus, come forward, roll the stone away. Lazarus gets out of his grave, which has never happened. They take off the grave clothes, and he's having dinner, most likely fish and hummus, with Jesus. Are you following me? Sounds like Fadis to me, right? So this is where we're picking up. Now, follow along with me, Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. It says, now Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, a man whom Jesus had healed of leprosy. And as he was reclining at the table, a woman, a woman, you need to hear this, a woman, this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came into the house with an alabaster flask filled with the highest quality of fragrant and expensive oil. She came to Jesus and with a gesture of extreme devotion, I love that, with a gesture of extreme devotion, she broke the flask and poured out the precious oil over his head. But some were highly indignant when they saw this, and they complained to one another, saying, What 
a total waste. I remember when, they, when I got saved and I had some that said, what a total waste. There might have been some that got a text message last night and said, what a total waste. You're going to church. Oh, you're religious now. Oh, you're going to be one of them. Oh, you're going to be brainwashed. Oh, you're going to get hurt. What a total waste. It could have been sold for a great sum, and the money could have benefited the poor. Watch this. So they scolded or criticized her harshly. Jesus said to them, in this moment, leave her alone. Come on, I love, Jesus knows how to make an entrance. Every time, this man knows how to make an entrance, right? Leave her alone. I feel like there's some things in the room that we just need to say this to. Leave this marriage alone. Leave my babies alone. Leave my nation alone. Leave this generation alone. Leave the education alone. Are you following? Leave the economy alone. I love this. When he says, leave her alone, how many know there is no negotiations? There is no other options. There's not another way to circle back. He's literally putting in stone. Leave her alone. Why are you so critical of this woman? She's honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. You will always have the poor whom you can help whenever you want, but you will not always have me. Let me put this in our world. What he's really saying is you will never have another moment like this. The poor is always going to be there. The need's always going to be there. But me, not many days from now, you will never have another moment like this. Then he says, when she poured the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body in advance for my burial. She has done all that she could to honor me. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. Let's pray for a moment, church. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I ask that you would come and sanctify the weight of this word, that it would find its way into the broken places, into the crevices and the cracks, perhaps, of our foundation. Lord, that it would somehow flush out all the doubt and all the worry and all the insecurity, God, and it would add strength and courage and hope and life. And I speak to this atmosphere right now, and I say that you are full of faith, you are full of hope, you are full of peace, you are full of joy, and I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every demonic harassment, I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every man and every woman into their season. I call them into their rhythm, and I call them into their destiny in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. Amen. As you can tell, I want to speak to you from this word, built. I believe what we need is built people again. What I have watched for the last three years is there have been half-built people try to act like they're built, and then storms, issues, problems, struggles, and stretching starts to happen, and their response is coming from half the revelation or half the scripture or half God's perspective, or half of a biblical worldview. There's people that tell me, well, God's a lion. Jesus is a lamb. He's a lamb. He's a lamb. He's a lamb. He's a lamb, but he's also 
a lion too. Are you following me? We cannot be built incorrectly. Let it not be found that we built our lives, that we built our marriages, that we built our financial hopes, that we built all of our courage on the wrong thing. Let us be found that we were built by the sculpting hands of God himself, where the fingerprints, I'm talking about where you could see his handwork and his gracious and his mercy and his truth is coming on you. You are built. We need built people again. I, I remember... There was a day when Pastor Adam and I would sneak off maybe a couple hours early and we would go disc golfing. Uh, this is a poor man's golf. And this is where it went. These Frisbees were like $10, $20, $30. So if you threw one in the lake, you was going in the lake to get it. I mean, that's, I mean, we were broke. I mean, we was poor. Like, we had to save up to be poor. That's how poor we were at this point. And so um, I, I remember I was going with one of our, our friends. His name is Jared. And if you've ever met Jared, oh, Jared. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into that later, but I remember I was going, I was walking up, and there was a guy sitting on his truck, this is right here in Cedar Hill, and this guy was sitting on top of his truck, and I said, hey man, how's it going? I had a long day too, I didn't want to talk to anybody, but you know, I'm a Christian, and I don't want to be rude, so I, I'm, I'm walking up, and I said, hey, how's it going? He's like, nothing, I'm getting ready to watch my friend die, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to go off to this tea box, right? The guy's cracked out of his mind. So, I, I remember... after I hear this, I hear the rolling of a skateboard. And there's this big hill to come down into this uh, 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 Frisbee golf park. And he's he's thinking, I'm going to roll my skateboard down the hill and jump a six-foot fence. Well, of course, he starts with his good center of gravity just like this, but then he gets the wobbly knees. I'm not twerking. This is really what he's doing, okay? He really did the wobbly knees like that. Nobody get a TikTok of this, all right? He gets the the wobbly knees and loses his balance. And you already know, once this starts happening, we've seen enough videos, right, to know this is going to be good for us but bad for this person, right? So this guy starts losing all his balance like this. And sure enough, he slams ribs first into the back of a truck. Boom! Hits it so hard, bent the fender out straight out like this, turns in the air, lands on the other side of his ribs. And I'm thinking, God, I've already had a long day. I won't do no resurrections today. (laughs) I walk over, and of course, after you see this happen, there's only one question to ask, but it's obviously the dumbest question on planet Earth. I walk over and go, bro, are you okay? (laughs) I mean, what else do you say? Have we processed and prayed about this yet? What else do you say? Hey, like, what's your favorite color? I mean, we're not gonna ask dumb questions. Bro, are you okay? And he responds with, "Eh," hey, breathing like Quasimodo. "Eh, eh." And uh, and he's like, it hurts to breathe. And I'm like, yeah, because you just hit a truck with your ribs. And then I said this, you're not built to do that. Now, I've watched a lot of people think they can take the hill. Watched a lot of people thought they could take 2020 or 2021. I watched a lot of people thought that their marriage could go through this and their past could go through this and the drama and the trauma, everything else that came through, and then they lost their center of gravity. They lost their focus on Jesus or they lost the value for his word or they weren't praying themselves through storms. They didn't know how to fast. They didn't know how to prophesy. They didn't know how to worship. They didn't know how to take spiritual authority. They didn't know how to call on help. They didn't look to where their, their resource was coming from. They didn't look to any of that. All they did was, well, let me just slam into the truck and everybody can feel sorry for me. We are, listen, I'm here to tell you, you are built better. You are built with purpose in mind. 
You were built intentionally, and the hands of God that are on you today are going to be on you in the next storm, in the next season, in the next battle. He, his arm is never short. His supply never runs dry. He is God, the undefeated. Why would we worry? He built us correctly. He built us with intention. He didn't half-bake us. You ever taken a cake out of the, out of the oven half-baked? The only thing we like half-baked are chocolate chip cookies. And even then, you walk in a fine line. We got to be built correctly. And if we're going to be built correctly, let me give you three things. Three things. Number one, you got to be built different. You don't make sense to this world. When I say, well, the Bible says, that's already offensive to this call. I'm from Los Angeles, trust me. That's already offensive. Well, the Bible says, well, why are you believing in a book that's thousands of years old? Well, let's take a quick temperature check. This book has outlasted every regime, every culture, every superpower, every storm. It's the only one that talks about a resurrection, not just naturally, but spiritually. It's the one that heals bodies, restores minds, repairs emotions, puts us back on solid ground. It's the only one that'll tell you to love righteousness and hate wickedness. I wonder why I trust this book. Had it not been for this book, I could not be the son that I am, the husband that I am, the father that I am. I didn't listen to a podcast to get there. I got in the word. I was built different. I didn't watch a YouTube video to get there. I was built different by his word. I'm built, but I'm built different, which is why I don't look at things the same. I don't look at neighbors the same. I don't look at issues the same. I don't look at scandals and injustice the same because I want what he wants. I want to see it from where he sees it. I want to know it how he knows it. And I want to speak to it how he told me to speak to it. We got to be built different, church. It's time that we're built, but built different. You know, I, I, I like to smell good. I have been in youth and young adult ministry long enough to know that I have smelled things that weren't human. I'm not lying. There's some things that were demonic coming out of some of these kids. I'm like, you smell like demons. And I, I, I like to smell good. And, you know, I, I happen to travel quite a bit. And I'm always in these airports that have these, like, cologne perfume shops. And, and I've noticed that if I buy the cologne or the perfume there, that I'll, I'll get a better price. But then I walked up one day, and, like, one of my favorite colognes is, like, Chanel Blue. All right? Love the smell of Chanel Blue. Right? It's classy. It's nice. It's strong. So I walk in, and I remember I look at the same bottle, watch me, the same size, the same smell, but one costs less than the other. Upon further inspection, I realize that the one costs less, you'll still have the same smell, the same bottle, the same packaging. It just will not last as long because it is water-based, but if you don't mind paying a higher price, if you don't mind sacrificing a little more, you'll get the same everything, but it will outlast everything in your life because it is, hello, oil-based. I don't know about anybody else, but I want an oil-based life. I want oil-based prayers. I want oil-based revelation. I don't want second-hand revelation. I don't want third-hand knowledge. I want a fresh encounter with God because I'm built different. I I think it's so important we recognize it says that she poured her highest quality and fragrant oil. She isn't just breaking a jar of oil. She is breaking open her life. This is a key plan B. This is where if Jesus, this church thing, 
This per- if this doesn't work out, I could always do this. She is burning the ships. She is getting rid of everything that could attach herself to what was what, what previously was. And she is calling herself into something fresh. And she can only do that through risk. So she's saying, I, that's it. I'm going to take what I have been putting my real trust in, even though I've kept it a secret, and I'm going to go break my life. And watch this. She breaks it on the crown of Jesus. She pours it on his head. Not his feet, not his hands, but his head. And the reason why is any day that I begin to surrender my life to the authority and the crownship and the rulership of Jesus, friend, that's a good day. Because in that day, I just made a memorial. It may not capture headlines. It may not end on 6 o'clock news. But I'll tell you what, my babies are watching. My grandbabies will hear about it. A generation will know about it. And they will know that man was built different. Erica Estrada was built different. The McCains were built different. They may not have been the best known, but in heaven, they were heroes and they were liable and they were generals and they were trusted voices. Come on, we need moms and dads to be built different again. We need kids to be built different again. For far too long, we have expected too little from ourselves. We have done just enough. You know, we we have done just what it takes. But the truth is, she gave everything, her absolute best. She held nothing back. Only people who are different Do that. Only people who trust in their God do that. Why? Because she was built correctly. She was built with the intention. I I, I just feel like there are perhaps some people in this room that you need to be reminded, you were not built flawed. I don't care what this culture and this life coaching and 60 seconds on Instagram, you were built with his image in mind. Before I knew you, I formed you. I created you. I breathed life into you. I established you in your mother's womb. You were not built with imperfections. You were built exactly how he wanted. You're not Ikea and somehow God sent you with missing parts. I I have found that the uniquenesses, which is of the differences, have really what caused me to be in the rooms that I'm in, the relationships I'm in. But when I look and sound and dress and talk and think like everybody else, there's no way I set myself apart. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Friend, that's saying be built different. Are you any built people here at church this morning? Here's the second thing. If we're going to be built, number one, be built different. Number two, be built devoted. Oh, devotion, you know, devotion isn't shown when everybody's watching. Come on. Devotion is shown when nobody's watching, when nobody sees it. Let me bounce back to my friend, Jared. You know, anytime I've almost gotten arrested on this side of the cross, it's been with Jared. He's a senior pastor in another state. He's barely saved. Like, I'm not even sure. If he would be here, he'd be like, you're probably right. I don't know. There's a question mark in heaven and hell, and we'll figure it out. Like, Jared is always that guy, right? But I love it. And so Jared and I one day decide we're going to go hunting. It's both when we lived in Texas, and we're going to go hunting. And we stopped by this store and, and, uh, to get all the, uh, all the food. Now, when you go hunting, ladies, let me just expand. Uh, I know women hunters are out there, but when, it was just a guy's trip. And so when we go hunting, we're not buying organic, gluten-free, homemade, all right, blessed by some monkey. We're not doing none of that, okay? We're getting meat and tons of meat, and no meat, there's not a lettuce leaf in sight. Miss me with the kale chips, all right? I want meat. 
I mean, we got. If I want to get adventurous, I'm gonna take a skewer and shove it through a whole row of double stuff Oreos. Come on, don't don't give me that single stuff, right? To be cheap, give me the double stuff, right? You take it over to fire. I'll burn it on. I'll grill that too. Just eat one one by one. I mean, we are putting half a cow, chicken, everything in this cart. We get to the line. I'm behind the cart just like this. I have my phone out just like this, and I am putting literally. I am putting all my attention in my phone. Then Jared says, yo, we need to go get some sunflower seeds. I'm like, exactly, go get some sunflower seeds. So he goes and gets one of those big white bags, that's about a pound of sunflower seeds. He's about 30 feet away, and Jared decides in his great idea and wisdom that he is gonna throw the bag at like this and try to make it in the cart with a line full of people that I'm in. So Jared just takes the bag and just puts some love behind it just like that, this thing flies over my head, boom, just like this, and hits the largest woman I have ever seen in my life right here in the behind. Boom, just like that. To which she, it looked like he hit Medea because he, she turned around and said, excuse me, who do you think you are touching all this good stuff right? Have you lost your mind? I'm going to help, girl, hold my purse. I'm going to help you. Mind back. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there. I am at the cart like this. What do I see Jared doing? He is walking out of the store acting like he don't even know me. I'm not lying. This is a true story. We need some devoted people again. You know what I found? Is deep doesn't make you devoted. A lot of people want to get all this knowledge. They want to drill down into perfections. They want to scale. They want to rise. They want to outshine. But at the end of it, when devotion calls, it will come for what you tried to hide from him. It will come for the bank account that nobody knows about. It'll come for the pain that you've tried to mask. It'll come from the unpleasant trees that happened in your past, and it will come for that. Devotion doesn't make an easy request. It's just like getting married. You know you are going to give your life to each other. Not when it makes sense. Not when it feels good. Not when it's organized. Not when there's plenty no, I'm talking about when you have to pray, God, Lord, please send a breakthrough on behalf of my baby. Send a breakthrough on behalf of our marriage. Send a breakthrough on behalf of our family. That right there is when devotion, come on, you didn't know you were devoted until you've been in a good fight. You didn't know you believed in healing until you needed it. You didn't know, have you ever had to preach about God's generosity and sowing and reaping when you were in need of a financial breakthrough? Are you following me? We need devoted people. I, I like this. It says, as Jesus was reclining at the table, a woman walked in and poured oil all on his head. This is what I love about Mary's. It's because Mary's break through social norms. They break through the lifeless pageantry, the religious routine, the show. They break through all of that. And Mary's have an authentic way of putting the attention in the middle of all that back on where it needs to be, and that's on him. Mary's break into the room, and everybody knows it because they're not coming in the same protocol, the same procedures, the same policies as everybody else. They're just approaching the throne how they know how to approach the throne. This is what I love about Mary's because Mary's sometimes show up as strippers to church or single moms who've had the worst day of their life and took them all morning to get six babies together just to come into this church. 
Mary show up as men who have lost it all and need something fresh. And when they're weeping in the back, it's not an emotional response. It's a Mary breaking some oil over the crown of Jesus. Marys are those people on Skid Row in Los Angeles that live in a tent while their one-year-old baby is suffering because they haven't eaten three days. That's a Mary. Marys are people who don't care what the religious might say. They care about the response of heaven. And when you're built different, you'll be chiseled, you'll be trained, you'll be developed to be a Mary. But then, then you'll be built, devoted. This is interesting because the people in the house we're not ready for the unexpected moment. What, this, is, this is what I've learned, I think, in the last two years of our unique journey is that when the unexpected and the unplanned happens, it's the religious that hate it, not the Marys. When God starts doing something truly new and fresh, it's the church folk that normally stand against it, and the world starts going, I'll embrace that. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm not mad. I'm being honest with you. I wish that we would have some Marys that stayed Marys. I wish we had some Marys that didn't let the oil go to their head. I wish we had some Marys who knew how to find more oil and break it on him again. I, knew, I wish we had some Marys who knew how to mine for the gold and drill for the depth and pull that out so that there was a difference and a devotion that was established on you and the world says, you can't, there's no way they got that from their college degree. There's no way they got that from their career success. There's no way they got that from some self-help seminar. No, they got that from one place and that was the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit that came on their life and there's oil again. You're built different and you're built devoted. But... Verse 4, then they say, what a total waste. This is interesting to me. What a total waste. It's interesting what people consider waste and then what God considers not a waste. It's not a waste of time to pray because time spent in prayer is never time wasted. It's not a waste of time to know what the Word says. It's not a waste of time to worship. I'll tell you what a waste of time is. Churches with no souls save you. A waste of time is success that costs you your integrity. These are all wastes of time. The clout chasing. The, you know what, build, grind, develop, scale, scope. And all I hear is push everybody down, burn, burn bridges, blow holes in everybody. Get to where you need to be this selfishness that has come on a whole culture. Waste of time. Because you can have, listen, I live in Orange County, California. It's probably one of the wealthiest zip codes in America. And everybody has a nice house, and I've never seen so many Bentleys and Rolls Royces in my life. I mean, it's, it, I, I've never seen people with so much wealth. I, I, I grew up in the hood. Never seen this before in my life. They have, they have the money. They have the helicopters. They have the private jets. They have multiple houses in the same area. They've got all the cars they want. Their kids are driving whatever they want. Can go to whatever school they want. They don't have to pray, God, can we get a scholarship? They don't have to do any of that. Yet we also may be the most, well, but we have the highest divorce ratio and rate in America. We also have the highest suicide rate in America. So, friend, if the American dream was all that it took, I'm telling you, we're built wrong. But let it be said there were some kingdom people at Hill City Church that knew I'm not going to lower my goal to being famous. I'm not going to lower my goal to being successful or wealthy. I want to be faithful. I want to be available. I want to be teachable. I want to be reliable. I want to impact nations and lay them at the feet of Jesus. 
This is what it means to be devoted. What a total waste. Now, this is where the storm ensues, right here. What a total waste. This, right here. Because now you can see the context. You've got a table full of people, too specific. You've got, uh, uh, you've got Simon and you've got Lazarus. And if you're looking at this table, perhaps Jesus is getting lost in the excitement and the nostalgia and, and, and the shock of these local celebrities. I mean, you've got the one over here on this side of the table who's getting all the conversation, who's getting all the attention. And you've got this man who used to be a leper, and they're sitting there, what was that like? What was it like to feel bad? And what was, when he prayed for you, what is that like? And maybe I could do that in my ministry, and maybe I could replicate that in my marriage. What was that like? What was that like? What was that like? And then on this side, it was like, Lazarus, you were dead. Dead. Gone. Bye. Not here no more. Dead. Dead. And now they're all like, Lazarus, what did you see? And Lazarus, did you, did you see our, an, our ancestors or our relatives? Or Lazarus, what did it look like? Or La and so these two worlds are being pulled away from Jesus until a Mary walks in the room. And she doesn't care about the sidebar conversations because she knows the main focus of everything needs to be him. And she breaks open the jar and then all of them go, what a total waste. Or could it be Peter Judas, John, that you were so in love and intoxicated with the local celebrity and status that was at the table that you forgot who the main character is in this story, in this planet, in this eternity. It is Jesus. Can I remind you by pouring my everything, by breaking my life, by giving my everything, you won't understand this because you live by your calendar. And you won't understand this because you're counting how much success is around the table. And you won't understand this, but you're calling my worship wasteful. You wanna know why they call it waste? Because they don't understand what God, what, what the world calls waste, God calls worthy. For, for Mary, this was a different setup right here. For Mary, Mary's sitting there breaking oil and they're all yelling. The Bible says they scolded her harshly. So this, doesn't, this isn't one insult, one sharp word. This is sharp word after sharp word after sharp word after sharp word. And Jesus lets him get it all out. And then he says, leave her alone. Could it be that you're so enamored by who's around me, you forgot me? And the reason why Mary is breaking open this oil, because for her, she got built a few days before when her brother is as good as dead, plus two days. And she is sitting there waiting for Jesus to come. And then Jesus does the impossible. They're telling Mary, what a total waste. She's like, you, don't, you call it waste because you don't understand my worship. You don't understand I lost my brother. And there was nobody on this side of eternity that could reach in and pull him out of that grave. But when the Messiah, who finally showed up, that now I believe that Jesus is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ, the Son of the living God showed up. He was the one that commanded life back in his body, told the stone to be moved, and walked out his grave clothes. You can call it waste all day long, but between him and I, he knows what it is. This is interesting. It says that they, they begin... To be quiet, I'm sure, after Jesus says, leave her alone. If we're going to be built, we got to be built different. Number two, we got to be built devoted. And number three, to close us out, if the band wants to join us, we got to be built dangerous. I was not built to play it safe. You're like, he's pretty intense. You want to know why? 
Because again, I, I fully believe that we've taken our foot off the gas. And we've fallen in love with a slow pace. And then we've called it wisdom when it's fear. And we've Christian labeled everything. No, no, no. When did risk taking stop being a part of the Christian life? When did pioneering and believing God for something fresh stop being a part of the Christian life? I, I remember just to give you a little piece into what we do. We had just got done doing uh, One Nation One Day Peru. We brought 10,000 missionaries from 43 organizations or 43 nations, 150 organizations represented to pound ground for seven days in the nation of Peru. Our vision is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations, not just my church or my denomination or my stream or my preference, the global church. So I've got my, my spirit-filled Pentecostal friends and I've got my, where they are on their ecclesiastical beliefs and where my people are from everyone from Southern Methodist to Southern Baptist to they're in this stream, this circle, this style of worship, this prayer belief. And all we're doing is, can we just focus what we really all agree on? We agree on the death, the burial, the resurrection, the blood, the life, the power of the word, the truth of God's word, the inerrancy of God's word. Can we just find ourselves there? And it's, I'm watching as these people are all being counted. I mean, in seven days, we went into 3,000 high schools in five days. We did 14 medical clinics that were the size of cities in 12 different cities. We, well, I wish I had time to tell you about the water wells or the homes for widows or the, the spiritual leaders forum where we had 21,000 senior pastors just in Lima. I mean, I, there was so much happening in the political sphere. We had everyone from the firefighters for Christ to sports clinics going on with the top soccer stars in Peru. And this was scattered, spread all across the nation of Peru. And we watched as in seven days, 1.1 million people gave their lives to Jesus and were still found in a church 60 days later. Never seen stadium Christianity like that. This time God says, all right, I'm going to reassign the ministry. You know, we're getting invitations from presidents and heads of state from around the world. Please come and do this here. And God says, no, I'm reassigning the ministry. This is the beginning of 2019. We said, Lord, where are you reassigning? He said, to America. And he said, because I'm going to make an aggressive move on America. And we said, Lord, where do you want to start? He said, Los Angeles. We said, uh, surely you mean Dallas. Like Tulsa, Birmingham, somewhere, you know, ministry, church saturated where we won't get killed. And he said, no, I want to start in L.A., because if it works in Los Angeles, it'll work anywhere. And we had slotted and scheduled it for it to be July of 2020. Well, we all remember March of 2020, everything went to a bucket of suck. And we are living with a global situation nobody's ever been in. And so now we're marching with this vision, and now we have to think, do we need to reschedule? Do we need to, uh, 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 do we need to cancel, reorganize? And God says, no. You're not allowed to release a budgeted version of my heart. You need to release the full version of my heart. You're not allowed to give a Walmart version, give you exactly what I gave you. Give the city exact. So we said, Lord, tell us where to start. And I, again, I wish I could drill down on the time, but the truth is, he said, I want you to pull, pull together the churches of the city. On the first all call, we had 641 churches from every denomination and stream represented in downtown Los Angeles. I, I, then the Lord said, I want you to pay off impoverished medical debt. We paid off $47 million worth of medical debt 
that helped over 20,000 families, all the underprivileged medical debt in Compton and Inglewood and Long Beach and Watts and all that eradicated overnight. And there was a letter that went out and said, this is your confirmation number, no strings attached, your medical debt has been dissolved. And if you need anything, contact Pastor Adam, who's down the road, and he'll help you out. They're only three miles down the road, and we were putting the local church, because our job is not to ask the local church to platform us. Our job is to platform the local church. You know, we have done... 66 different stadiums around the world and never advertised one of our names. You've never seen a Chris Estrada or a Dominic Russo or a Gay Bow. You've never seen any of that on, on any of it. You want to know why? Because we say it's not about a man or a band. It's about a mandate and a mantle. And Jesus has no problem filling up stadiums around the world. And so with no advertising just in Lima, I mean, we filled up 10 on the same night at the same time. We did 18 in Honduras on the same night at the same time at an unannounced Nobody knows who's going to be there, but there's such hunger in the city. So we go in to continue our journey into Los Angeles. We went into foster care and generated 2,000 leads from godly families within the local church. I, I can think of maybe, I'll, I'll count on one hand, how many times foster care has ever been talked about. And just watched as God just began to draft behind, putting fire on the vision and waking up the sleeping giant of the local church. I got news for you. Foster care is not a civil issue. That's a church issue because it's a family issue. And we watched as how 161 churches today are still replicating that play, and it's sustainable, and it will keep growing in perpetuity. Well, I mean, we went into prisons. We planted a church in all 35 state penitentiaries in California. We have a church on them, because we say when a convict becomes a convert, they have a community to continue to establish covenant with God, and we break the generational cycle of repeat offending. I mean, we, then we did all that and had a historic stadium moment. We had a lineup like you wouldn't believe tier one influencers who are global icons and voices. And we said, Lord, we want all that, but we need one that's a Christian. And of course, you know, that's a short list. And one who's not afraid to share their faith, that's an even shorter list. And then it, we said, Lord, and who will do it with us? That could only be any, mini mighty Justin Bieber. Making a long story short, this vision ends up in front of Justin. He's on the phone with our team, completely crying and saying, I was praying and this is what God spoke to me. He spoke to me, I would stand in SoFi Stadium where they just played the Super Bowl. I would be partnering with the local church. I would give people to hear the, the opportunity to hear the story of Jesus. And then we would make an altar call for people to have an eternal decision for him, just like I did. And sure enough, we filled up SoFi Stadium to COVID capacities and we captured it, high quality content online. And between the micro and macro content, 500 million people, half a billion people heard the story of Jesus. And then the responses were incredible. Why would that happen? Because we're built dangerous. It's a new model. It's a fresh wave. Here I, I see this. It says she broke her jar. Then it also reminds us of the place where this took, where this happened. It says Simon the leper's house. He had leprosy for years. There's no doubt that, you know, leprosy is de decaying bacteria, eroding flesh. It smells like death. The whole room, the whole house is layered with the stench of death until a Mary shows up and a fragrant oil comes out and pours itself on the crown of Jesus and what used to smell like death now smells like life because many scholars believe that this same smell was with Jesus when he was arrested when he was praying in the garden blood was mixing with the sweat and the arrest happens the betrayal kiss of a friend when he's falsely accused, mistried twice, yet they're still taking him back, beaten 39 times for our sin, our wickedness, our shame. 
He's given a crown of thorns and that smell is still coming off of him. When he's told, carry your own cross up that hill, that smell is still saturating the crown. When he hung on the cross, it didn't smell like blood, bone, and marrow and bodily fluids. Friend, it smelled like life. And possibly when he got out of that grave, that grave didn't smell like a dead man. It smelled like a living man. Because a Mary had walked in at the right time and poured her oil and broke her life. And what used to smell like death, now it created a whole new ripple effect in the eternity and the fabric of all of our lives. I don't smell like my addictions. I don't smell like my bad attitudes. I don't smell like my past. I don't smell like my issues. I smell like the victory of Jesus when I gave my life to him. Would you stand up with me? Thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and 11 and until then we hope you have an amazing week